Yes, yeah, so what's going on? This episode 322 of Griff's Brain Dump. It's me, Griff. Obviously, how you doing? Are you well? It is Tuesday, the 2nd of May. It's May already, the fifth month of the year. Almost the 4th of May, where everyone says they're silly. May the 4th be with you, joke. And that's all cool. But um, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Uh, but I get the joke, and I say it often. Anyway, it's um just finished the gig and stuff, and I'm in a I'm in an all right mood, in a weird mood, in a state of what's the word flux. Not uh, not cri- crisis is too strong of a word. Let's not be melodramatic here. It's the thing of having to decide what to do in life at the moment. Crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. My life's difficult at the moment, of my own doing. You see, I have a young family, but I'm also trying to... I've also got a full-time job that's quite full-on, and also trying to plan a show to Edinburgh. These three things can't all exist. Now, I'm not going to get rid of my family, and I can't get rid of my job, because I need that to, you know, afford life. Uh, and so it's like, it's in a kind of weird place where I'm working towards this show... If I just take a step back from everything in life, it's like, does this show make sense at this time? In the sense of creatively, it does make sense. But actual practically, pragmatically, does this show make sense to actually do, to actually go to Edinburgh and do it? My family were meant to... Shut up, Carl. (laughs) My family's meant... I wanted my family to come up with me when I first planned doing the show. But we decided it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best idea. Two young kids up in Edinburgh. Then that creates the reality of that I'm away from my family for for a month. And that's not a great outcome either. Um, And then in the build-up to Edinburgh, it's like I'm spending time away having to do work-in-progress shows, doing other gigs. And it's like... It's not... No, it just doesn't... It's not really feasible. It's a lot of... A lot of stress on, uh, well, mainly on Naomi, really, not on me. I mean, like I said, my stress is my own doing of being pulled too thin. Albeit trying to be everywhere at once, and her stress is me not being here at home. So, yeah, it's one of those ones where it's like, it seems like there's a very obvious answer, but I don't want to do it and then that therefore makes me selfish right to not do the thing that's actually best for my family i think here the issue is that i'm having is that um when i started doing comedy it was the, the springboard of me starting doing comedy was a personal development course that was all about uh following your dreams and living life big living life big and don't be small and Comedy's always been a thing of, I always wanted to do before before I just joined the rat race of working. It's a dream that I forgot I had, then rediscovered it. And this dream in comedy's almost become symbolic of that course of, and that way of thinking of, hey, go big. Uh, be creative. Don't just be like everyone else. Uh, don't have a small life, right? But then, like, what what is the point of having these big and going dreams if you actually 
don't take care of the fundamentals in your life like your wife and kids right and actually be able to be present for them when you can like even having a full-time job pulls you away from your family so then the spare time you do have you should spend it with them right and though it's just um yeah i just feel like it's like it's that balance net of doing the right thing but also having the kind of feeling of oh i've just you know ran away from something that i actually want to do like it's got hard so now i'm just gonna go oh i can't do it anymore just quit and that's not quitting comedy in general not not that at all that won't happen just this show like if i don't take this show to edinburgh then where do i take this show what do i do with the show what do i do with the ideas in the show and i think that's what it is because i don't have an alternative for it. it just feels like it kind of just dies the idea and then it just kind of run it just dissipates into nothing and then it's like well I'm someone who has to have like a goal with something I can't just do something for the sake of doing it I need need a goal so if this show is always like take it to Edinburgh take it to Edinburgh have a good Edinburgh take this show to Edinburgh and if I don't take the show to Edinburgh so what I do with the show then what's the kind of point of doing that um and if I'm just on stage just telling the same jokes I like the euphoria it's like a drug you just get a hit but for me there's like a kind of creative no this is that the goal is to create something a piece of art a body of work um and if I was to do this show on my own and self-produce I just do something in London and slap it on YouTube it's like I don't have a following it's not going to be seen by anyone and that's part of the art as well one part is creating it but you actually want it to be seen right and uh, there's no guarantee that Edinburgh would even work there's no guarantee that Edinburgh will work but I don't know it feels like the place for it but I don't have any I don't do the alternatives I don't do the social media stuff um, you know, I don't, I don't do any of the other stuff that where people go fuck Edinburgh it's shit. It's like you have a hundred thousand followers online. You're doing the other thing. You've been on TV. You, you've done, you've done all these other things. So it's like, yeah, you should definitely say fuck Edinburgh and all that stuff. But for me, I don't have that following. I'm, I'm stuck in that traditional model, right? I don't know how I'd break out of it. Maybe that's what I needed. Maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's what life's presenting me. It's not a thing of give up on comedy or give up on uh, this show. It's uh, find another way, I suppose, is what it is, right? Find another way. Um, yeah. Because I don't just want to be a gigging comic. You know? Like I said, I want piece of work. I want people to see something I've worked on or created be like right that was amazing did you like that thing that's made by Darren Griffiths that's the reason why I got into comedy to create things uh, oh and to make money and not have to do work in the daytime <laughs> oh dear man I don't know uh, no, I haven't even discussed this with Naomi properly all I know is that She's doing too much. Don't mean in the 
the colloquial slang way. I mean, in the formal English way. Just having to do too much. And it's like if you just get really black and white about it and be like really morbid about life. Someone said, oh, would you rather have an Edinburgh show or have a family? So therefore, if you did an Edinburgh show, your family disappear. Or if you do family, your Edinburgh show disappears. It's like, I'll take family all the time. Easy. No brainer. Uh, but I would like both. And I think that's what it is, right? I'm not sure if anyone else listening to this gets that in life where you want two things, but they are conflicting. Well, they're becoming conflicting. Never conflicted before. When it was just me and Naomi, it wasn't conflicting. And then when it was the three of us, it wasn't that conflicting. Now there's four of us, it's become very conflicting. Uh, and I guess this Edinburgh process started before um, Mr. Zavi came about really so the idea of it was like, yeah we, we can make it work but the reality is like eh, no <laughs> and then it's this thing of i don't want to pull the plug on the show in where we may and then get to august and be like oh do you know what it's all right you could have gone i don't want that feeling uh and then i don't know when that stops the kind of the conflicting thing when the kids are Teenagers when they're, I don't know, when they're five and seven, I, I don't know when it stops. Yeah, I can take them to Edinburgh with me if I really want to go to Edinburgh. I don't know. I don't know when it stops. Uh, yeah, that is something I have to work out how to do, how to do this thing, right? How to do this thing. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Maybe the next pod you'll, I'll have an answer. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I guess you have to talk to people, right? Communicate. I mean, I'm talking to you guys first, then putting it out in the public. <laughs> I, should pro- oh, I should probably talk to, my, talk to Naomi before uploading. And then, um, yeah, Dave, speak to my agent as well. Because with Edinburgh, like, money, I mean, there's been some money spent. Not a lot yet. I mean, say not a lot. Probably, like, 1,200, 1,500's been spent so far on different things, like post graphic designs for posters, uh, small deposit for venue, and small deposit for accommodation. But I've got a big invoice for PR waiting to be paid. But it's like, do I pay that? Without knowing what I'm doing with the show? Probably best to say, oh, sorry for wasting your time. Not going anymore. And then don't pay. I mean, better than paying and then be like, oh, I can't go. So, yeah, I don't know. Just bite the bullet and just think of another way. I don't know. I got like a meeting at the end of the week with some comedy writer. Again, but it's all spins off Edinburgh. It's like, oh, and this might we may mount to nothing anyway. But it's like, all right, he wants to see a show in Edinburgh, and then we'll adapt that into something, maybe for radio, maybe for 
TV. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Is that cool? That sounds cool. But it's like, if I don't take the show to Edinburgh, then is the idea something that now I'm no longer interested in? I don't know. See one of these weird parts in the life in the autobiography, right? Where it's, uh, well, I don't know. In go many ways. Goes to Edinburgh and then he's talking about his ex-wife and the kids he doesn't see. <laughs> or he goes to Edinburgh and he smashes it and he risked it all, but it was worth it. And they're living happily ever after now because it all worked out fantastic beyond everyone's wildest dreams. Or so, so if he doesn't go and he finds a new way and it's all good and he did the right thing for his family and he finds the right way or he doesn't go and comedy just goes this weird downward spiral and I become that guy in the pub like, I used to do comedy you know I used to do comedy you know tell my kid I used to do comedy and they're like alright dad well it comes to the thing that it's like uh, it's just I don't want to talk about it anymore don't talk about comedy don't talk about it. I'll do the odd gig here and there and tell the same jokes or I'll go and just say horrendous things for 20 minutes because I don't deal with that actual upset of of not actually uh, being true to my ambition so yeah I don't know it's all, all conflicting man it's all conflicting all very interesting to be a to be a human be a person, be an adult. Because I remember before I even started doing comedy, my aspiration in life, before comedy was even an idea for me to do. So I'm talking about a time of doing. Well, I thought comedy was a comedy was a subconscious idea. So I was just living my normal life and qualified as an accountant, and working away at a job that I didn't like. As a career that I don't have any passion for. Still don't. It just pays the bills. And it's easy to do a job you don't have any passion for when you have an actual passion project on the side, right? It just comes part of life. Um, but yeah, my aspiration is always, oh, I'll do this boring shit job that's well paid so then my kids don't have to do boring shit well paid jobs. They can actually do stuff they love and enjoy. That was always the, the aspiration. Then it changed to, oh, I found something that I love and enjoy. Maybe I can try and do both. And it's like, maybe I can do the thing I love and enjoy full time. Um, and then that could be an inspiration for my kids. So, oh, look, my dad does something creative and cool that he loves doing. I'll do whatever I love doing. The irony would be I'll then be, end up being a full time comedian. My kids will be accountants and lawyers. Dad, they aren't doing that creative shit. It's long. Who knows? Who knows? Damn man, don't know man. Uh, but yeah, that's it really. So that's um, is that's the main crux of the pod? It's me just talking those thoughts out. Um, yeah. Don't know. Do it new. Do it new. Do it new. I know when I speak to Naomi, she's going to not know. I can't talk on what she. I don't know what she said, but she's going to not know that she likes the idea of me being in it. 
<laughs> and I say being in that game, I'm not talking about comedy in general, I'm just talking about the direction of taking a show to Edinburgh. And the reason why it sounds so finite, so kind of, oh no, is the fact that because I don't know what I'll do with the show after, that's that's why it feels so, ooh. It sounds like I'm quitting comedy, but I'm not. It's just I don't know what I'll do if I don't take a show to Edinburgh. But there's, there's obviously lots of ways to do things. But yeah. I don't know, man. Don't know. Don't know. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I was saying, I don't think, yeah, she'll know that she likes it. She'll see that I've spoke about something, doing it passionately, and then she'll see that I want to not do that, and that will make her upset that I'm not doing something that I want to do. While also simultaneously being like, yeah, but it's probably the best thing. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. With these kind of decisions, you've got to reconcile, or I've got to reconcile it in my head first before I bring it up as a conversation to her. Because I can't feel like it's a joint decision that we've come to or I'm doing something that she suggested. Otherwise, I'll just be resentful about it in the future. I've got to convince myself that I want to do this fully then it'll be fine but yeah I don't know man don't rightly know um but yeah yeah I have to work it out I'll work it out I'll work it out um yeah Anyway, let's get on some Dear Deirdre. been talking for 18 minutes about myself. I don't know any news. Uh, well, let me just answer Mike. That's Mike Akadiri asking about fees on a gig. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just writing something. Someone's slagging off Stephen Island. Um, so you remember? So he didn't want to talk about it. So yeah, the member player Stephen Island who said that his nan died. So he basically his play, he started missing people because his nan died. And then his nan came and goes, I'm very much alive. He goes, no, no, I met my other nan. And then that nan came back and said, oh, I'm very much alive. And then uh, and then he, he kind of just went silent. And everyone ridiculed him online. And then he revealed a few years later that his missus had a miscarriage and he just didn't want to talk about it. Um... And you use the nan thing to cover cover it up. Um, and then yeah, his career kind of went down the toilet. Well, anyway, he's there's a video of him online saying that he got the Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard never got the better of him, and he was never really that impressed playing against them. And everyone's like, this guy's fucking delusional. He's a nutter. And I'm like, no, Stephen Island was decent though. 
he was actually decent. Um, yeah, people are just forgetting he was actually a decent footballer. Let's uh, let's find it. Let's find this this personal life stuff. Nope. Anyway, um, let's get on to some dear Deirdre because no one wants to hear me talk about fucking Stephen Island. And they'll get indoors and actually do some familying, even though it's 10 to 11. I mean, and, and there's stuff that needs to be done in the house, surely. Surely, 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 surely. Uh, because we don't have new carpet today, people. That's one thing, gentle. We don't have new carpet today, but we haven't got new carpet. Because, you see, copyright advertised the service to say, hey, you don't have to do anything. Let's get your carpet installed. What do you need to prepare? Nothing. Don't do anything to prepare. Just kick back, relax it. Wait for the carpet stores to come. Be knowing is that maybe don't we have to like move some furniture? Somebody's like, isn't that obvious that you'd have to move furniture? I was like, yeah, it seems obvious to me. But what also would seem obvious is a business like that, they would say, hey, pay an extra whatever and we'll move your furniture for you. But they don't. And each link you click is kick back, relax, and we'll do everything for you. You just have to. Do nothing. It was like, okay, we'll just do nothing. And then the fitters turned up. Like, oh, the room's fully furnished. We can't install carpet in here. You got like wardrobes and all sorts. And we're like, yeah, uh, about that. We thought we didn't have to do anything. They're like, ooh, you do. They're like, oh, we've been good if we were told that. So now they've been booked for next week to come next week and they've got to work out a way of um, work out a way of uh, of moving furniture. Is it coming in two over two different days and uh, yeah. Gotta take stuff out of I don't know which room to do. Let's go and shove stuff in our room, in the bathroom, because our room's not being done. Um, yeah, well, so we just chuck furniture in that room. It's like, yeah, we've got like wardrobes, we've actually got four wardrobes and long ass chest of drawers. I don't know where those that lock that chest was so fucking heavy. Oh my god, I don't know, I don't know how the fuck I'm moving that shit. Oh man, I know that's just nothing on my head. I'll work it out, I'll work it out. Yes. Anyway, that's for another time. Right, my husband says he's broke off a fling with his backing singer, Garly. Dear Deirdre, my husband has ended a fling he had, dismissing it as just a drunk as just drunken sex. But the woman he slept with won't leave him alone because that drunken sex was good. He's 48 and a guitarist in a band that plays old rock and roll numbers. He's a landscape gardener too, but loves his music. Um, he gets hired for weddings and private parties. Um, the band has two backing singers who are both in their thirties. I'm female and forty-eight. Okay. How old's your husband? Forty-eight as well. Cool. Our relationship and sex life was good, but my husband seemed to change after the band went off to France for his mate's wedding. He didn't talk about the trip on his return, and he would shut me down when I spoke about it. 
He then carried his phone everywhere and panicked if it was left unattended. He became too tired for sex but was suddenly eager to go to band rehearsals, something he'd always found a drag. When he was out one evening, I checked the wedding for photographs as his friend had shared them online and the bride and groom looked so happy. Then I spoke my husband kissing one of the backing singers in the background of one of the photos. Rookie! They looked like they were a couple. I confronted him later and he broke down saying he'd had sex with her twice. He said it was a mistake twice and he's now ended it twice. Um, but, but she wouldn't let the relationship go twice. She messaged me saying they had sex regularly. She's been putting notes through the door for my husband and sitting outside in a car waiting for him to come out. I don't know who to believe or what to do. She won't keep out of our lives. Uh, yeah, so what do you do? Um, in case you have to murder her, really, isn't it? Just got to murder her. Um, I mean, he can't be in the band with this woman in, as a backing singer. Like, he can still be in the band, but she has to leave. And he's got to live with the consequences of fucking up the band. Because I bet her vocals are sick. They're like, we need her. We need her. Her voice is on this demo and it sounds great. And he's like, she has to leave. They're like, well. And the song's all fucked up. None of the songs bang anymore. Because he smashed his way and fucked up his his fun by having too much short-term fun. This is why I've never fornicated with, with comedians. All in the industry, no no agents, no producers, because it's like, it's going to come to a point. I mean, obviously, I'm married now, but even when I was single, so it's going to come to a point where it's like, oh, you need to work with them. And they didn't like how the sex went. <laughs> or they didn't like how the aftercare went. You didn't text them. They think you're a dick. It's like, oh no. So, no. Um, right. Golly lies. Mum waited till she was on her deathbed to confess that her cousin was my real father. Dear, dear, my mother told me on her deathbed that the man I believed to be my father was not my dad at all. I'm a man of 58. Nah, mum, take that to the grave. I'm 50 fucking eight. What can I do with this news at 58? You crazy cow. Mum was 88 when she died. She was single. She was a single mum to me for my and my half sister for 50. What? let me start again she was a single mum to me and my half sister now 54 my sister dad was my stepdad and he died two years ago he was great and loved me like he loved my sister then we just leave it that in it it's all good we were always told my dad was an american who came here on holiday then went back home and then my mum never saw him again i was never able to get more information out of her than that yeah that's it's too vague but mum was in a hospice and at the end, we had a long conversation. She told me that the American guy was somebody she liked. But she never had a relationship with him. And my real dad is my cousin. It is her cousin, my uncle, who is still alive and lives 10 miles away. They felt their relationship was wrong. So she told me 
they had vowed not to tell anyone. How can I find out for sure? They say, find out for sure, mate. You count how many fucking toes you have, you fucking... <laughs> if you got 11 toes, then your cousins, your dad, your nans, your mum. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's it. Uh, uh, Right. Right. Next. Last one. Last one. Oh, God. Colleague. Won't leave me alone. Young colleague won't stop flirting with me at work. And it's made me uncomfortable. How young? You mean you work in a trainer shop and they're 15? Um, dear did you most men would be flattered to have pretty young women following them around depends how young I remember I, had, I was serenaded by 14 year olds in JD when I was 17 didn't like it <laughs> um, but I stand to lose my job if my colleague doesn't stop hassling me I'm 40 I knew it's a supermarket and it was like a shop thing where age is just there. I'm 40, a security guard for a supermarket. This girl is 19 and she collects the food for the online orders. But everywhere I go, she seems to be there. She flirts outrageously with me and has asked me for a lift home before. I'm scared stiff to let her get into my car. I'm old enough to be her father. You're a good man. She came up to me yesterday and said, look, I really like you and I think you like me. Why don't we go out for a drink? I mumbled some lame excuse and avoided her as much as I could. I'm debating whether to report her to HR or to ask for a transfer to another store. Um, listen, you need to get ahead of it and on top of it and you need to report it. Okay. Because last you want to do is reject her too hard. She cries. And then you're the creepy old man because that's how it's going to look. No one's going to believe that this young 19-year-old wants you, big man. Okay? So, that'd be my advice. You mean control the information, control the situation. That's how it goes. Um, I think Bontui said that's online, and that's always stuck in my head. Use whatever uh, adjective you want. Um, no, is it noun? Control. Um, I don't know, there's a word for that word in the sentence, but swap it for anything. So, own the information, own the situation, control the information, control the situation. You know, I mean, that that's how that's how it is, though. Is that it's uh, if you start. Yes, yeah, own own the information. It wasn't control because control leaves the room to lie and stuff. It's not about lying. It's just about owning the information. I'm taking control of this information. I'm putting the narrative out there. This is my situation. I I'm a, a supporting actor or a victim. So all right, so that's the end of the pods. Um, yeah, man, it's an interesting one. Confessional. Yep. All right, that's it. Let me get in my house. Uh, right, peace. I didn't press pause. <laughs> ah, dear. Right.